coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Good cop, bad cop, accuse. We're talking L.A. Noir. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to a special Thanksgiving episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellis, joined as always by my co-host Mark Mitchell. We are talking about L.A. Noir in this episode. If you want to listen to our conversations on Skyrim and Doom, those are also available today, so check those out. But today, right now, we are talking about L.A. Noir, um, the Rockstar game that originally came out seven years ago, seven or eight years ago, um, and is now available on Switch and a bunch of other platforms as kind of a re-release. Um, so this is one that I've been playing. Um, Mark, I don't believe that you had any interest in, in picking it up. You said, L.A. Noir, forget, forget you. Yeah, I think that's a direct quote because <laughs> my limited experience with the game was not positive. Um, what was your experience with the game? Had you played a friend's copy? Play, playing a friend's copy. Or like at a friend's house. So pretty casually, didn't mm-hmm. sink like, um, hours and hours and hours into it. Yeah. But. So it's a. It's a very strange game um, because it is two totally conflicting things at the exact same time. Um, it is both a uh, engrossing open world game and an extremely linear narrative experience at the at the exact same time. Um, so the uh, premise of L.A. Noir, as could be surmised by the title, <laughs> is that you play a, a detective uh, in post-war L.A um you know classic like noir setting um and you you start as a uh, police officer um and you kind of get one um one case to solve just as like a regular beat cop and then uh you spend a lot of time as a detective um solving other crimes um and you know the the way that the the way the game works is that it has like these different modes or like these different little gameplay methods that like engage you in different parts of solving a case, right? So like um first part is always like go to where uh the the crime has occurred. Um and sometimes it's a murder, sometimes it's property damage, sometimes you know, it, it I've maybe done like five or six cases at this point and they the variety of cases is great, you know? Um and so his first thing is like drive to the location of this and like then you're in 1940s usually downtown LA um and it is eerie driving around and being like oh i'm on flower street like i know this street <laughs> um but it looks like it's 1940s y um uh and you know i also have the the weird like I'm driving around in a video game. Mark, how do you, when you drive around in a video game, uh, do you obey uh, streetlights, traffic signals? No. You just go? You just yeah. go for it? Um, L.A. Noir will fine you for, like, running over stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, it shows you the amount of, like, damage you did to the city and, like, to the car. Well, I remember, I'm, but I remember the driving controls not being that fun. They're not, no, I mean, it is. It is sort of a chore, um, and if you hold the like get into the car button instead of just tapping it when you get to the car, your partner drives and he just drives to the next location. Um, it's very strange because like there's this whole big like 
city of LA built into this thing. And like, you can drive around it and you can not go to the destination if you don't want to. Um, but like, it's very clear that the only purpose it serves is like to get you to the next spot on the case. It's like a super meticulously built high definition version of the Roger Rabbit NES game. Kind of. I mean, if, Look, if L.A. Noir, if you were playing uh, Eddie Valiant and you went into Toontown... Uh, I want that game so bad. I would never stop playing that game. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, you're, it, is, it is like a, a highly realized... Um, uh, what do you say? Who framed Roger Rabbit? There's on, just no the point. My memory anyway is that there's no point to the driving other than to be like, here's this really faithful recre- recreation of L.A. that we made. Uh yeah, and I mean to you can you can answer calls from dispatch and like pick up little like side uh side cases, uh, which is really just like run this person down or like help talk to this woman or whatever. Um, but yeah, like it doesn't the game the I would say the biggest failing of the game is that it doesn't do anything to encourage your exploration of what is obviously a a big and cool interesting space. Um, and I think i feel more attached to it because you know we live in la um and you know there are street names and shapes of buildings and tunnels and bridges and stuff that i'm like oh i can do this in real life right now if i want to um but so when when you get to the actual cases uh part of the game is looking for clues like just around a crime scene which is where the game gets real slow um, and I actually think, generally speaking, the game is, is very slow and is less of a game and more of a, like, very interactive cinematic experience. Um, not like a Telltale game, but, like, it's got even, even more kind of, like, player involvement than that. Um, so you look for clues, and, you know, as, as you're finding clues, uh, your character, who is played by uh, Aaron Stan... Stan... What's this actor's name? Um, the guy who plays Ken Cosgrove on um, Mad Men. On Mad Men, Aaron Stanton is his name. Um, he he plays your lead character, and um, the facial animation in this game is uh, great. Like they do, um, like actual face capture for it. Um, so the performances are all very like actor driven. Um, it's not always the most fluid in terms of um, like body animation. Uh, I don't know if it's all like mo-capped otherwise um, or if it's just the faces that they're, they're capturing. I do feel like some of the, uh, you know, body motions are a little wooden and whatever. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's a, a crazy feat of um, computer engineering that these characters all have such expressive faces, especially from like the PS3 360 era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, from like eight years ago, it's it's nuts. <clears throat> but uh, so um, yeah, as, as you're collecting these clues, there's like a little. Uh, th- the game is constantly like talking at you. Your ta- your character is talking. Um, the other characters are talking to you. You have like a partner who like offers a little bit of advice. You're interviewing witnesses and stuff like that. Um, and in the interviewing witnesses, I, is where I think the game gets to its most unique. Um, so you've been looking for evidence and you can use a lot of this evidence, uh, against either witnesses or other persons of interest to try and get them to give you more information. Um, so as, as you're interviewing these people, you have to, uh, try to determine whether you think they're lying or not in the stories they're telling you. And you have three different dialogue options. They're good cop, bad cop, and accuse. 
per our joke at the beginning of this episode. Um, and uh, accuse is like not always the most aggressive option. Um, but anytime you accuse someone of something, you have to have the evidence. You have to have seen the evidence in order to like back up your accusation. So like if someone uh, is being cagey about like, uh, you know, what if their what their relationship with their husband is like um, and you want to hit that accuse button, you have to be like, oh, well, you know, I saw this uh, framed picture of him with like a note written from another woman on the back of it. Um, and so you can confront them with that information and then like get more information. And is that out of the information that. you get from like the crime scenes? Yeah. So those are like, you would find that, that note when you like explored that woman's house um, or not, you can also miss these things. Um, so, uh, and then like good cop, bad cop, it, uh, in a lot of ways ends up being kind of a crapshoot. Like um, if you don't, if you don't have the evidence to accuse someone, you try not to. Um, but the difference between, like, is this person going to respond to me being good cop or bad cop? Like, you kind of just got to read. There's, like, a real moment of, like, role-playing in it where you're, like, how do I feel about this person um, and, like, what they're telling me? Like, do I buy it? Do I want to, like, get rough with this person? Was he kind of a jerk to someone else? Um, so, like, there's a fun amount of, like, actual role-playing involved with that. Um, and then beyond that, when you're, when you like finish up a conversation with a witness or a person of interest, it tells you how many questions you got right, or like how many of those like little interactions you got right. There are right and wrong answers, right? Um, so like when you finish and and then that's it, the game saves right then at the end of the, at the end of the conversation. It's like, well, that's how you did it. That's how you did this case. Um, so it feels like it has consequences in a way that no other game that I've played in the last 10 years has consequences, you know? Um, games now are very like, oh, well, you know, if you, uh, if you die here, you can try it again. Or like, if you mess up this chase sequence, you can try it again. But this is just like, well, no, you, you messed that up, um, and now it's going to be harder for you to solve this crime. And you can, I think, I have yet to like totally fail a case. Um, but uh, you, you always, like, get to it eventually. It just sometimes involves going to see more people or checking out more crime scenes or getting, like, a lower rating um, at the end. Um, and at the end, like, end, end, end of a case, when you finally have something closed, um, it, uh, it tells you, like, oh, if you would have uh, pushed harder on this guy, he would have rolled over on, you know, his accomplice or whatever. Um, and so all of that's super cool. And, like... I, I, I'm having almost uh, like a hard time saying that it's like a fun game. That's what I was gonna ask. Like, are you in, or I guess more like, are you enjoying playing it? I am. I really am enjoying playing it. Um, and I, I put in a, a bunch of time this morning. I was doing it a little bit more, like you know, stop and go, um, before. But you know, I, I did like three cases back to back this morning, um, which you know takes you know, each case is a little over an hour long, I guess, um. And like got into a real groove where like it felt really good and um, you know like I said the acting in this game is great the writing's phenomenal. Do you uh, think part of the reason why they focus so much energy on the faces is because they're supposed to be like tells and stuff in the acting, or is that not really an aspect of it? I mean, I think I, I think that is an aspect of it, but I don't necessarily know if 
there's like a one for one. Like I don't know if you know they're they're coaching someone being like, all right, uh, you're lying in this one, so make sure your eyes are shifty. You know, right, right. Um, but it does like having the the facial facial animations be so um like transparent and like all of the faces looking like they're actors. So like um the actor who uh plays Paul Kinsey on Mad Men, uh his name is Michael Gladys. Um he was in one of the the cases I played this morning and just seeing that actor's face on this character like kind of endears you towards him in a way that, you know, like these all look like people and like actors that you've seen and stuff specifically if you've seen Mad Men. There's <laughs> a lot of Mad Men actors in this. Um but like I think it helps you invest in their stories on a more like human level um, instead of being like, well, okay, does the machine want me to think that it's lying? You know what I mean? Um, that it actually feels like a, a human. Uh, the game does stumble every, every time you have to like get into a firefight or like run someone down. And it doesn't happen a lot. Um, and in fact, one of the, the first times I pulled my gun on a, on a suspect um, I failed out of it because I shot him. <laughs> like I was just supposed to pull my gun on him and uh, just kind of hold it there, and then he gives up. Um, but yeah, like that's along the same lines as the like as I'm driving around L.A. I at first I'm like it's a video game I can you know, zip around wherever and like oh no 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 I can obey traffic signs and and like turn on my siren when I want to blow through an intersection. So the box art for the release of this game and just kind of like the marketing materials for this re-release I are like so well done and really capture that feel of like a uh, Chinatown. Yeah. Or and does that carry into the game? Because my my memory of it is that it doesn't really uh that you mean that it's like how how do you mean yeah like that it had like it carries that feel of like a film noir like from that period yeah i mean it it does it's got also just a little bit of that like rock star uh flavor to it where you can tell that it is uh interested in not just um like presenting the genre tropes um but also like doing something with them there's there's an ongoing story about a um, therapist who is treating people who've come back from the war with PTSD, I guess sort of discovering PTSD, basically. Um, so you pick up these, um, and your character is a veteran as well, um, you pick up newspapers as you're investigating stuff and you just see like little clips from the psychiatrist's life. Um, so like, it is, it is both just kind of exploring those like kind of pulpier episodic like crime stories and building up something bigger that's like approaching the whole ethos of 1940s LA um and the sort of like the kind of space between um like law enforcement and uh criminals so like i think it's i uh, it's like to to ask if it's akin to Chinatown or like a a classic um like noir movie um I think it is working its way to that right now for me. Like I said, I'm I'm only like five or six cases in. I mean, even just like presentationally, like yeah, the, yeah. like the music mm-hmm. and like the way that I'll, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the the music, you know, it's that uh, solo trumpet, you know, yeah, <laughs> on like a scratchy record player, and you know, every scene um, gets a or every case gets like a big splash screen that's like you know uh, white letters uh, in quotes, uh, you know, big blocky letters on a black screen. 
um, and then everything starts in black and white and then fades into color. You're really selling me on trying, like, really trying this game again. It it I it I didn't expect to have a a super fun time with it, um, and I mean I I think it did take a little bit to get to a point where I was actually having fun with it, but like man, when it gets going and you can just sort of like let go of the idea that you're playing a game or like going to have any sort of, you know, this is going to be the opposite of your experience with Doom, right? Which is just like gameplay, gameplay, gameplay. This is so much more experiential than that. Um, and like the the role-playing aspect um, is really appealing to me. Um, and I guess it's a little bit different than the original release where they started to like give you the the beginning of like each of the responses. Um, so like, I don't know, the good cop, bad cop, um, options were like more defined. Um, and here it's just kind of like, well, how do I, how do I want to approach this? Like, do I want to be a dick or do I want to, you know, good cop, bad cop, I guess. Uh, on a real, on a like technical level, did you buy this game, uh, physically or did you buy it online? Uh, I, I I bought it through the eShop. Um, I recently purchased a, uh, an SD card, no, a micro SD card, knowing that I was going to pick up this game. Um, uh, which I would have had to do even if I was buying it physically. Um, and yeah, it took four and a half hours to download it. So I started it going before I went to work, came home at lunch and it said it was still going. I was like, great, <laughs> great. Just checking to make sure everything is squared away. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that, and it says it right on the box. It's like a yeah. warning level, like a uh, label, like if you're buying cigarettes, yeah. you know, like uh, it's very disruptive to the box art. Right. Where it's uh, like, if you need you... extra space and also this will give you lung cancer. Yeah. <laughs> But in a fun way. In a, you'll love it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that is that is definitely a um, consumer warning. Uh, you have to have extra memory. Um, and it makes sense. Like, there's so much voice acting in this game um, that, like, that just takes up a lot of space. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah, on a technical level, um, I do notice some pop-in uh, of, of textures and uh, backgrounds and stuff sometimes. Um, and you know, ultimately it is a game that was made eight years ago that, uh, has been like polished and represented, um, for new generation. So it's not, um, beyond the faces, none of the technical aspects of the game are going to blow you away. Are you playing in handheld mode or docked or both? I am playing both. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, again, like you, I'm not, uh, a total, um, like I'm not totally into, uh, graphics and I'm not. Um, you know, I am frequently playing games on my Switch. Um, so it, I recognize that it doesn't look super great, but it looks uh well enough to get the job done. And again, you know, it's an older game. Um, and uh, you know, I think the the fresh coat of paint that they put on it for this release uh, totally brings it into a place where it doesn't look out of place on the system. Um, and in handheld mode, looks awesome. All right, Mark, uh, that should close up our, our conversation on uh, L.A. Noir for the Switch. Uh, all right, um, that's going to do it for this episode, this uh, Thanksgiving episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you want to listen to us talk about uh, Skyrim or Doom, we release episodes on those today. Check those out. Uh, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a bunch. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, nin, at Nincart Society and Nintendo Cartridge Society. 
Mark and I write about comic books on RetconPunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Abit Betty. You can check out his music on his website or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thanks for listening. It's a creative podcast network.